from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint Part 1, the fantasy and gambling portion of the show. We are joined by Danny Flecko for that. Good morning. Morning, my man. How are you? I'm good. Um, you are one of the lucky people who, is, who have had weddings two consecutive weeks. What song are you most tired of after two, two weeks of weddings in a row? I think any Pitbull or Bruno Mars song, I'm out on. <laughs> um, is there any song that you want to hear more of after these two weeks? No, I, I think I'm good. And the last two weeks were banned, so it's, um, they were both really good. Yesterday, I'll say yesterday, it was a little bit better than last week. Um, but I think any Bruno Mars or Pitbull song, like, I, I think I'm good on for a while. All right, that'll be my Christmas present to you is uh, Bruno Mars CD. Or, or will that permanently end your appearances on Teeing It Up? <laughs> I definitely won't be listening to it, so. <laughs> um, when, when you're sitting there yesterday, I'm just curious because this has NFL implications, uh, which is why I'm even bringing this up. Obviously, when you're in a bridal party, you have a lot of responsibilities. You're being pulled left and right. You're doing this and that. And, you know, taking pictures here, doing this there. And you see this Tua injury. And so many teams tanking for Tua. What the Dolphins and Bengals and Redskins have been doing. The Jets are in the conversation. More as a team that would go backwards uh, and, and, you know, go back in the draft and, and try to get picks. And now you see this injury, a fractured and dislocated hip. You didn't realize the extent of it until I told you what it was way later in the day. Now that you've had some time to digest this, what's your feelings on, on both Tua and the teams that have tanked for Tua? Yeah, so I, I, I saw he got hurt, and I thought nothing of it. And I, I saw that he wasn't going to be playing the rest of the game, which means that you know, he had a couple of rough weeks here. But then I saw the replay, you told me what happened, and I was like, man, that sucks. Then I saw the replay, and it was uh, a pretty brutal fall. Um, it doesn't look like it's that bad. We had two guys fall on him in a very awkward situation. Um, you saw he was in immense pain once it happened. Um, really, unfortunately, injury. And it really kind of a, a, I don't want to say a fluke injury, but an injury you don't really see happen too often um, in the NFL is that, dislocation of the hip and also a hip fracture. So, very tough injury for him to come back from. I think he's going to be out a while. I, I don't know what this necessarily does for his draft stock. Obviously, you want to be able to um, evaluate these players, you know, in real time. The last two games for Tua, you know, he wasn't able to put much film, if any film that was probably – going to help his draft stock uh, out there. You know, he didn't look great against LSU. Um, he was sharp in the first half against Mississippi State, but, you know, it's a, it's a Mississippi State team that isn't very good. You're hoping that Tua would somehow rally the, the, the tie to get to that college football playoff so you can get some more tape against him and, uh, and good teams. So I think for Tua, if he at any point during his rehab process is, is noticing that he isn't going to be able to, to fully put himself out there, I, I think he should take the year and come back next year. I, I think that's what's best for him, um, and, and I think he'd be doing himself a really big disservice to 
the answer is a top pick with a lot of pressure to begin with and not be able to contribute. And I think if he gets drafted uh, in 2020, He's not playing until 2021. I think that rehab process, the teams are going to take it very slow. You don't want him to get out there and get hurt again. Uh, you want to make sure his mobility is there, that you can make sure that he can do all the things that make him great. Um, but I would not be surprised if he decides to come back to Alabama for 2020 and, and uh, goes into the 2021 draft class. Really interesting point about what he does draft-wise, and obviously that, Im- that impacts a whole lot of teams, especially the Dolphins. All right, let's look at these games today. We've got a a couple of lopsided lines. We have San Francisco, which is a 10-point favorite on Arizona. Oakland, which is a 12.5-point favorite on Cincinnati, which tells you all I need to know about the Bengals. Um, And we've got Minnesota, which is a 10-point favorite on Denver. And that's the one that's really quizzical to me because the Vikings have been known to lay eggs, and that seems like a classic leg-egging situation, even though this is Denver on the road. I agree with you. They've had a, a very emotional win last week against Dallas. Uh, you know, they played their best game of the year, I thought, you know, being able to, to go into Dallas on prime time. We all know about Kirk Cousins and his prime time difficulties. And go in that game and really control the game from start to end. Um, so this is, like you mentioned, a very classic spot, uh, a letdown game, double-digit favorite at home, playing down to a really bad team. Um, this could be a, a really good spot to maybe take Denver. However, if you're looking to get action on this game, I would still lean towards the Vikings. You know, I just think that that defense is too good um, to let someone like Brandon Allen go in there and keep that game close enough to, to cover um, many mistakes and you know Minnesota at the end you know we're going to see us a lot the next couple of weeks this game is really important for them they cannot lose this game um, with the playoff pitchers starting to become a little, a little bit more clear um, you know the NFC North is becoming a two, two team race um, they want to stay with the Packers um, they want to be able to either win that division or get the top wild card spot and there are a lot of teams that are, are lurking in the background so the NFC is a tough division, tough conference this year, so this has got to be a win for them, and they got to win pretty emphatically, in my opinion. As we look now at a game that I thought would be a more lopsided line, and it's not, and that is New Orleans and Tampa. It's only a five-point favorite line for New Orleans. That seems to me, I mean, this is a team that rolled with Teddy Bridgewater in for Drew Brees. Now Drew Brees is back. They're putting up monster numbers. They're 7-2. and two. The over-under for this game is 50-and-a-half. I mean, it's a huge over-under line, yet the actual game line is 5. That seems odd to me. I, I honestly think it's about right, to be honest with you. Um, Tampa Bay, for all of their issues, they've been in games all, you know, pretty much every single week that they've played. I think there's maybe been one game where they've they played an egg. Um, and now it's the first game of the season against San Francisco. And we all now know how good San Francisco's defense is. But I think this line is about right. And if you're looking for the action, I, I think the action is on the Tampa side. Um, New Orleans had a tough game last week. I think they just got blitzed. You know, it was one of those weeks where they probably thought it was going to be an easy win against the Falcons team that had given up. Uh, as we saw, when you play your rivals, you should never, ever assume that. But Tampa Bay has a decent enough offense. Uh, their run defense is really good. 
I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be close. The, the Saints are out their top corner, which is going to make great some issues because Tampa has two really good wide receivers. You know, the nervous part uh, of a gambler taking Tampa Bay is, you know, Jameis Winston. Can he limit his turnovers, keep that game close, not give the Saints extra possessions that make that number, which is five, and it's an odd number, um, harder to reach as far as the cover is concerned. So, you know, when I see a number like five, you know, you, you want to almost assume that the underdog you're taking to out, can outright win that game um, or at least keep it within three points. So I think there is some action to be taken. I think I would lean, you know, what's the over and on Tampa side. You weren't on the show last week, Danny. We're talking about Danny Fleck of Fantasy Gambling portion of teeing it up. You weren't on the show yesterday, uh, last week. But I said that I was stunned by the fact that the Browns were favored over the uh, Bills. And I, and I said over and over again, Vegas must know something. That line made no sense to me. A, in hindsight, what do you think Vegas knew? about the Browns to make them the favorites? And B, are there any lines this week that pique your interest as Vegas knows something? So, Cleveland last week was basically given home field advantage, and they were fortunate to come away with that win. Uh, Hauschka missed two field goals to the Bills, pushing into overtime. I think the line closed at two and a half. So, uh, whatever side you were on, it was a bad beat. If you were on the Bills side, it was a lucky cover, I think, if you were on the Cleveland side, which is what you are hoping for. You know, when you're gambling, you, there's one or two plays usually in these games that are going to swing the tide. Um, Cleveland still to me is a pretty bad team. Yeah, they won. You know, we, we don't have to get into what happened on Thursday night, but you know, I was watching that game and I thought it was going to be a runaway. And, and Pittsburgh had every opportunity to stay within that game. They just couldn't do it. They ran out of bodies at the end of the day. But I think the one line to me, I, I haven't looked at them, you know, in the last couple of days due to my schedule. But I think the one line to me that popped out really, really um, concerning or. Not concerning, but like really fishy was the New England line. Um, I'm not sure what it's at today, but it opened up at three and a half. And I saw Four and a half was, now. Yeah, so with some of the injury news that's come out on the Philly side, it's gone up. But that line to me was a little, um, you know, like what does Vegas know about Philly that I don't? Because I've watched a decent amount of the Philly games and have seen how they've struggled uh, offensively. Um, so that line to me was one that jumped out as one that I was like, hmm, there's something going on here that maybe I don't know about. All right, and now the final question before we get into likes, don't likes, fantasy likes and don't likes. Mexico City, we always talk about international games and these quizzical, quirky, odd things that happen. We have the first Mexico City game in two years. Last year's was obviously moved to um, the... Ram Stadium, the Olympic Stadium, because of field conditions in Mexico City, the uh, the uh, Coliseum. Now we have um, Chargers, Chiefs in Mexico City, Monday Night Football. They're going to play this game. It's not being moved. It's a four-point line for Kansas City. The over-under is 52.5. When you're gambling international games, what, what should these people watch out for with this four-point Kansas City line? I think you just basically, when you take these international games, you want to take the best team that you think is going to win. And, you know, the Chargers are a tough team to back. 
Um, you know, I backed him last week against Oakland and was on the wrong side of that. I took the, I think the Packers when the Packers played in uh, L.A. Lost that. I just think the Chargers are one of those teams that's very tough to figure out what they are and what they're good at. Um, you know, I thought I Oakland they would be able to get a, get after Derek Carr. They weren't able to do that. I thought Kansas um, City last week was a, was a game I took. I thought the Kansas City would run Tennessee out of the building. They didn't do that. So I think both of these teams are still trying to figure out what they're really good at. And, uh, you know, for good reason. The Chargers have been banged up with injuries, and Mahomes has been banged up with injuries. Uh, so I think in that Mexico City game, there's a lot of things that come into play. I, I do like the Chiefs in that game. As far as, like, the altitude is concerned, I don't think either of those teams should have issues. They play in Denver once a year. They're used to it. Um, but those international games, you usually want to take the best team and, you know, ride with that team because there's no home field advantage. Um, and, you know, you go from there. But I think Kansas City is the team to back in that game if you're looking to, to get uh, any action on that game. All right. So now we look at your likes and don't likes for this week gambling. So my likes so far this week, um, I really like the Ravens this week. And part of me feels like they should be coming down to earth at some point. I just think this is a great matchup for them. Um, I like what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. I think they're very efficient. Lamar Jackson's not turning the ball over. They're explosive. They run the ball very, very well. And they create some matchup issues um, for teams. And I think that they're exploiting those matchups. The Texans, I think, are going to be the disadvantage in this game just because they're they're out from key players that could help Deshaun Watson out. And one of them is Will Fuller. I think he's really important to that offense. They've been able to win without him. But I think in this type of matchup, you need that guy that's going to stretch out the field and open up the underneath stuff. And it just so happens that the Ravens are starting to get really healthy on the defensive side of the ball, and um, the Texans are not as healthy as they probably want to be right now. I just think it's a tough matchup for them. I, I don't know if they have enough on the defensive side of the ball to create turnovers or limit the possessions or time of possession uh, for the Ravens. So I really like the late Ravens this week. Another game I'm going to go down to that I really like this week. You probably don't want to hear it, but it's yet. Um, I like the matchup they have this week. I know last week they played a dumpster fire of a team in the Giants, uh, but I do like their matchup this week. You know, a rookie quarterback. Uh, we know Greg Williams' defense can create some issues uh, with their blitz packages. Their run defense is really good. We know Washington wants to run the ball. Um, I don't think they're going to have much success doing it today. And the Jets offense, I think it has enough. I think the way I look at it, too, is like Le'Veon Bell is due for a game at some point in time, and I think this is it. I know they have, they, they've had their struggles on the offensive side of the ball, but I, I do like their matchup this week on defense a lot. Take them and see them outright win in Washington. Uh, Washington has not scored a touchdown in 13 straight quarters. That's the uh, longest active streak in the NFL and the third longest in the last 18 years. Yeah, they've had some struggles, and I, I just think it's, they're just not, they're not willing to open up the playbook yet, and that's unfortunate because as a rookie quarterback, you want to be able to, to learn and figure things out, and if you're just handing the ball off three times in a row, you're not really able to do that. And I just think that, you know, seeing what the Jets defense did last week, the Giants running attack and getting after Daniel Jones, and, and, you know, he had a good game overall, but he did still make some mistakes. I, I think we can see the same type of outcome this weekend. When you have a guy on the defensive side like Jamal Adams, 
Um, you have to imagine that he's going to make a play or two that might swing the game a bit or give the Jets really good field position that would let them uh, take control of the game. The dude is a beast. I mean, that, that steal play was basketball-esque last week uh, when he ran that back for the touchdown. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Um, I'm watching that game last week, and, you know, in the first quarter, I think Jamal had a couple of blitzes, and it's like, if he's coming up near the line of scrimmage, you almost assume he's coming. And the Giants did a really bad job of identifying that. Barkley got absolutely mauled on that strip sack that was returned for a touchdown. Um, so, I think mean, he can make those plays, and he's a, a generational talent. He's really, really good. And when you back a team like the Jets um, with a close line like this, you're hoping that he's going to be the guy that's going to make the play that might swing the game. Redskins were two-and-a-half-point favorites, which is essentially the home field difference, so this is a pick'em game uh, in Vegas' eyes. All right, fantasy likes, don't likes. Looks like you like Le'Veon Bell this week. I, I do. I, I think he's going to have a good game. I just think the Jets are going to eventually figure it out with him. Um, you know, and while he's there, you might as well take advantage of his skill set. So I, I think that he might have a good game today. Um, another guy I think is a little bit under the radar is Dallas Goddard in Philly. Um, you know, Jordan Howard's probably not playing today. Alshon Jeffrey's out today. Um, no Sean Jackson. He hasn't played all year pretty much for the Eagles. I think that we saw a formula that the Ravens rolled out a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots, and that was to load up on tight ends. And the Eagles have to have really, two really, really good ones. And I do think they're going to do their best to take first out of the game. Not too dissimilar as to what we see when they play the Chiefs and Kelsey. Um, so I think that opens up a lot of looks for Goddard. I think he matches up really, really well against these Patriots linebackers. to be in for a big day. He'll be utilized in the red zone as well. So he's somebody I would look to pick up. He's probably available in all of your leagues. And he's somebody I think I'm going to do a, a dark throw with today. Has that opportunity today to be a focal point. Uh, another guy, if you're looking to stream... Hold on one second. Let me just stop you right there. With um, the Eagle running game uh, in some tatters, they re-signed Jay Ajayi. He's going to be the main back today. Is he somebody who you can trust after being out of that system for so long? Well, he knows Philadelphia's system, which is a plus. I just don't know what type of game shape he's in, if he can handle point carries or not. And I just don't think the Eagles want to give him the ball 20 times either. Um, I think they have a very dynamic back in uh, Miles Sanders. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be getting a lot of the look. Um, Jay Ajayi is going to be a tough play, I think, this week just because of, of what it is. He's finding, you know, he's walking into, he's walking into a situation where he hasn't played football in almost a year and a half. So it's going to be really tough for someone like me to trust him. But, you know, we're at a point in the fantasy season with some buys and some injuries where you might have to take that dart throw. Um, and he might be somebody that could, uh, could help you out, but I don't know if he's going to help you out that much. Makes sense. All right, sorry, continue, I interrupted you. Yeah, so on the other side of that game, I like James White a lot this week. He's usually somebody you're going to start anyway, but I, I think the Pats understand that the Eagles have a good defensive line. It's going to be tough to run between the tackles. You know, they're going to want to take their advantages on the outside, and that's, and that's James White. So I think James White's in the perfect game today. And another guy, if you're looking at street quarterback, uh, is Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a great matchup this week. You know, there's probably going to be a blowout. You might not get as as many points as you want because of the, the game script. Uh, but I do think he's somebody that's had a very uh, good season under the radar. He's turned the ball over. 
and it's starting to, I think, understand the offense under John Gruden. So he's somebody else I really like to think too. Any avoids? Excuse me? Anybody you would avoid? Avoid? Uh, yeah, I think right now, it's like we mentioned the Philadelphia backfield, I think that's tough. Uh, I think any running back in Washington, I think uh, here I saw Darius Tice might be playing today. So if you're an Andrew Peterson owner, I think it's going to be tough to see the production you might want out of him. Um, and I think anybody up in Denver, I think their running back situation is it, tough to determine right now. Um, they're playing a really good defense in Minnesota, so I think it's, those opportunities are going to be hard to come by. They're going to be down, I think, so they're going to want to throw the ball. Um, so I think those are those. There's two areas where it's going to be tough for me to trust any of those guys. All right. Um, so I, I want to talk about something to end this because it irked me. And you had a thought on it. And it's it's perfect podcast fodder. And it's more for our weekday podcast. But we've been so off schedule that I'm just going to put it here. Um, you are convinced that Le'Veon Bell is going to be traded in the offseason. Why are you so convinced? I just look at the way the Jets constructed this roster in the offseason and, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And the Jets mishandled their offseason of 2019 so bad. They had a lot of GMs that wasn't going to stick around to sign players, to contract, to draft players, um, and brought in a new GM after that. And trade rumors that were running wild during the, during the season. Uh, I just think that the Jets are going to find themselves in a situation where if they're going in on, on Gates and they're going in on Joe Douglas as their GM, they got to figure out what players they want there. And I just don't think Le'Veon Bell is one of those guys. And I, I think for the Jets, they're going to see uh, an overhaul of that roster, getting rid of some of those contracts because they know that they're not going to win anytime soon. Try to recoup some draft picks and go through the draft. It's interesting. Certainly is interesting as to what they do and how they try to get this thing back on track. And I'm not happy with Adam Gaze getting a second year because um, it sounds like he and the organization are on two different terms. Um, it, it's, it's a weird time to be a Jet fan. That is for sure. Um, thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it as always. Call my man. Enjoy your Sunday. You got it, and I hope all of you out there enjoy your Sunday.